We're talking about strikes because we have seen this across several different industries, so many different labor disputes that are affecting so many workers. So what's really going on? And is this entirely a bad thing? Could there be a positive side to the summer of strikes, which is what we've now nicknamed this summer of 2023? We're getting into it right now with our guest, who's the associate professor at the School of Labor Studies at McMaster University, Dr. Stephanie Ross. Dr. Ross, thank you so much for making the time this afternoon. Thanks for having me, Chelsea. Let's just clarify and sort of set the table to begin with just what's been going on, because it feels like there's been labor disputes in so many different industries, from port workers to actors to liquor store workers, grocery sectors. It it feels like there are so many different people that are, are involved in some kind of a labor dispute. Can we boil it down to a few key elements that they all have in common? Well, for sure. I think the thing that we all have in common um, is that the pandemic was very difficult and the pandemic created a lot of uncertainty. And in particular, people were, I think, very worried about asking for more wages and for better working conditions because there was lots of unemployment at the beginning of the pandemic that really, you know, made people afraid and, um, you know, lowered their expectations. But as we've kind of emerged from the worst aspects of the pandemic in terms of its economic impacts, you know, people have returned to work um, or they have returned, they have, you know, worked at workplaces that ask quite a lot of them, um, but their wages have not kept up. And that's actually a longer term story. We know that for decades that Canadian workers have had wage increases that have trailed behind the rate of inflation. And this wasn't so much of a problem while inflation was relatively low, but it's become extremely problematic now that inflation has reached, you know, decades highs. Like Mm. we haven't seen these rates of inflation since the early 1980s. And so in that context, we've got kind of a perfect storm where people are, have had some really difficult years in their work lives, in their workplaces, their wages have really kept pace and their their ability to uh, actually make ends meet has been really interfered with because of the inflationary pressures that we've been experiencing over the last year. And I think that that has really driven a lot of workplace militancy, a lot of um, workers, perhaps many for the first time, saying, you know, I think I deserve more and I'm not willing to be treated poorly at work. I'm not willing for employers to lowball me anymore because I've given up quite a lot and now it's time for those sacrifices to be appreciated. Well, especially... So I think that that actually, that actually connects a lot of different workplaces, even though, of course, every workplace have, has different particular issues. Certainly. Yeah. I mean, I think that there are nuances to some of these. But, you know, I, I think about in certain situations and certain industries where, you know, it feels like an especially raw deal where um, your employer is is profiting and making a ton of money. And and one area that I think about is the grocery sector. And, you know, it calls to mind the Metro grocery workers in Ontario and that strike. And, and, you know, you can kind of understand a situation like that when we've been hearing as Canadians that grocery stores are making a ton of money, (laughs) despite, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe their workers not necessarily uh, getting any sort of benefit from that. So are are there certain industries that we can look to and we can we can kind of predict where there might be labor disputes coming up? Well, I I think what you're pointing to is really important that, you know, when people see that their workplaces, their employers are making lots of profits, Mm -hmm. 
in the context of a very what 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 feels like a very difficult economic period for them, that that kind of drives. Uh, a willingness to go on strike. And so I think that was operative in the port workers strike where, you know, port employees, employers made, you know, billions of dollars, record profits during the pandemic and after. Um, and I think that, you know, we can look forward to, you know, the fall uh, thinking about um, the uh, opening up of um, big three auto bargaining. Um, and this is especially true in the United States where, where, you know, GM, Ford, and Stellantis, uh, formerly Chrysler, have also made record profits during the pandemic. And this is in the context of their employees having taken, you know, several rounds of of concessions since around the mid-2000s in order to keep those companies going. And, and, And so now this is the sense that, okay, profits are really healthy, um, it's time for some redistribution of the rewards to take place. So I'm not saying that we're going to necessarily see strikes in um, Canada's auto sector, uh, but I, I think we are seeing um, a number of groups of workers who are like, for instance, grocery store workers who haven't really been on strike um, very much mm. um, say, like, well, we can't take this anymore. And we know that our, our employers have the profits to share with us and 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 we need them to do that um i think we're going to see some private sector labor unrest sorry public sector labor unrest um coming up as well um so you know in ontario um all of the teacher unions are bargaining they've been bargaining for over a year um the ontario government has really been slow walking those negotiations and and so people are really starting to get quite impatient with that now that we're you know coming back to school um, you know, postal workers, collective agreements are going to expire in the next little while. Um, you know, there's a there's a number and, and, and municipal public sector workers around the country are also on strike. Library workers, Hamilton city workers might be going on strike um, next week. And I think it's it is all of a piece in the sense that these are groups of workers that have um, that have experienced repression of their wages for a long period of time. And now that there's some greater bargaining power for workers, because, you know, we've been talking about labor shortages where it's not as easy to replace people, they want to take advantage of those conditions to improve things for themselves um, and to, to catch up from the years of, uh, you know, 1% wage increases, 2% wage increases. Um, so I think that we're, we're, we are likely to see um Lots more either strikes or near strikes uh, before the end of the year, for sure. You know, it's interesting you talk about there being a labor shortage and people being not easy to replace. And that kind of, I think, swings us into the conversation about automation, which I know a lot of these strikes have, mm-hmm. you know, an element to do with. Specifically, the the Hollywood actor strike, for example, has a lot to do with Absolutely. AI and, and rights around that. And I think... In a way, when we're talking about maybe these strikes and the summer of strikes being a good thing, it's the idea of this conversation of automation being something that I think so many people are afraid of and worried about, no matter what the industry that they're in, and the mm-hmm. requirement to need regulation around that. So could that mm-hmm. also be something that could steer us into a position where maybe there is a little bit more job security and a little bit less fear around it? Yeah, I think in the short run, that's certainly true. I think that that, that experience of, of relative labor shortage compared to like the last three decades has given people more confidence to uh, to go on strike because they're not as worried about being replaced in the short run. 
But, you know, there is a long-term worry. And, you know, I think that um, the writers and actors strike in the United States is a good example of, you know, how in, you know, they, they may be facing a radical restructuring of their industry because of the technological transformations that are coming. But, but this is an existential fight for them. So in some ways, it, 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 it is now or never for unions like that to, to try to exert some control over how these technologies are used in their workplaces and in their industry. And I think that that is a big part of what we may see elsewhere is that, you know, for the most part, we expect that employers get to decide how technologies are implemented in the workplace. But, you know, why is that? Given that how technology is implemented can really, you know, advantage one group over the other. Mm -hmm. So I think workers are saying like, well, why should we not share in the benefits of new technologies in the workplace? Some people are now calling, for instance, for a four-day work week. Um, in, in, if we can use technology to be more productive, why should workers not be able to enjoy from the, the, you know, the benefits of that increased productivity that comes from technology? Why should all of those benefits be accumulated by, you know, a very few number of people mm. who already have more than they will ever need in order to enjoy their lives and, 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 and participate in society? So in that sense, I think you're right. There are lots of industries where, you know, people say, well, don't don't demand too much. Don't make your labor too expensive because they're just going to replace you with machines like self-checkout machines or, you know, at the at the docks. They're going to automate you out of jobs if you price yourself out of the labor market. But, you know, that that really is then a, a, a moral question for all of us. Is that really how we want technological improvements to be used to make unemployed all of the various um, people in our communities that are, um, you know, important to the life that we live. That, 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 is, that, that actually is not anything that we, are, we should have an interest in as members of a community or a society. And so we should welcome strikes that attempt to increase people's wages, to redistribute wealth into more hands, and to put some controls on how technological improvements are implemented and, and to, to raise this conversation about who benefits from those technological advancements. It, it should be workers as much as it is employers. I think it's such an important conversation to have, especially when some of these strikes, you know, I think ruffle some feathers and cause some frustration, specifically when we're thinking about the B.C. port workers, where, you know, maybe on some level, a lot of people empathize with the idea of wanting increased wage and a, and a fair, you know, living compensation, but also are frustrated by the fact that there's an impact on the Canadian economy when strikes like this sure. take a long time. So it's it's kind of a fine balance to dance, isn't it? It is. And, and there's no question. Strikes are disruptive. Um, strikes are uh, cause pain. They, they cause um, economic uh, harms. But that is the point. That is actually the point of a strike. Mm. Um, the point of a strike is to disrupt business as usual, and in particular to, to interfere with what the employer actually prioritizes in order to change their attitude in negotiations. If a strike is not disruptive, it's not effective. And I would encourage people to think about the, sh- the short-term versus long-term implications of strikes. So for sure, in the short term, 
there, the disruptions of strikes can be um, very, you know, difficult to, you know, withstand. But I would say that we are worse off if we do not have the kinds of disruptions that strikes bring, because in the long term, a weakened labor movement that cannot conduct effective strikes has no capacity to redistribute wealth to more people. And that actually is not functional for our economy as a whole, that that there is no question that if people have more wages in their hands, they're going to spend those wages in our local markets, in our local economy, much more so than, um, you know, an additional uh, contribution to the profits uh, of companies who are not necessarily going to spend it in our communities. They, they're, they're going to use it to make more money, you know, in the stock market or, going to put it in their banks offshore. I mean, there's just a, a basic element of uh, of thinking about, okay, who really drives economic activity? Um, and it really is um, workers and their participation in the economy that makes for a thriving community. Um, and in that sense, I would encourage people to think about whether or not short-term disruptions our impatience with short-term disruptions are actually contributing to longer-term dysfunction in our society by encouraging more and more inequality. Um, I think we have an interest in more equality, and I think that that we have to understand that that strikes are a major tool to get that. Dr. Stephanie Ross, so many great points, I think, to to try to think about and be mindful of moving forward as we continue in the summer of strikes. Thank you so much for your time today. Thank you. It's been great talking to you. That's Dr. Stephanie Ross, Associate Professor in the School of Labor Studies at McMaster University.